The Bible verse for the day is 1 Corinthians 13, 12 and 13. Would you join me in saying it? it's printed in your bulletin? For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Let us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You'll notice the quote under the sermon is by Luna Lovegood in the movie Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. It's a great quote. It says, being different isn't a bad thing. It means you're brave enough to be yourself. So as we think about mirrors, and we think about what we look like, are we brave enough to be ourselves? So in 1997, when the first Harry Potter book hit the shelves, if you ask any child under the age of 12, what was the greatest story ever told, they'd leap right over the Bible and say it was definitely Harry Potter. And I would venture to guess that there are children and adults who would still say that today. You know, big kids my age and older reread these books, rewatch the movies over and again, and there was preaching journals that came out in the late 90s, early 2000s, and basically there was a Bible study called The Gospel According to Harry Potter. So some have dismissed these books as stories of magic and wizardry. Others say they're tales between good and evil. Some denounce the books based on their magical subject matter. And others have seen them as a force for good, pulling children away from TV and back into a book, getting them interested in good old-fashioned page-turning. One of the most interesting, interesting things I came across in all of the Harry Potter hoopla, which exists today, Lord knows, right, Disney World, an amazing all-new Harry Potter exhibit. People have been coming for years to that. But in all the hoopla, what stands out to me and may be missed by some is this guy. His name is Tom Morris, and he wrote this little book called If Harry Potter Ran General Electric, Leadership Wisdom from the World of Wizards. Can you tell I have a son in business and marketing? <laughs> Morris makes a claim that there's real wisdom to be found in these Potter books because you have to get underneath all the fictional aspects of the story and the actual real magic of Harry Potter is relationships, love. It says, page down beneath all the wizardry, the real power that drives the Harry Potter stories and movies, and indeed the human story, the biblical story, is love. So we watch Harry battle evil. He resists being caught up in the dark wizard Voldemort's power play. And he does so with the words of his teacher and mentor, Professor Elvius Dumbledore, ringing in his ears, Love is the greatest power in the world. So despite all the magical forces displayed by the characters in these stories, the most magical force of all is presented as love. So I'd like to think that J.K. Rowling, you know, her 
the Messiah. Numerous passages from Paul and his letters in the New Testament, even paraphrasing our lesson in John this morning. J.K. Rowling speaks of love and relationships through Harry the way Jesus does through the vine and the branches. So we have in John, Jesus is out there and he's preaching a sermon. He's explaining about the vine. God, our creator, is the vine dresser. All of us are the branches. And Jesus used this imagery because wherever he walked, vines were really common. I'd like to think of him as a walking children's chap. Wherever he was, he would use the environment around him to capture people's attention. And within that, he would reveal the truth. So vines grow all over Palestine, and Jesus knows that in order for a vine to send the proper nutrients to the branches so that they would grow fruit, the vine needed a great deal of attention. The area needed to be clean. The soil had to go through extremely careful preparation. The environment had to be exactly right. If the surroundings weren't cared for instead of lush fruit, the result was either a dried and withered branch or a branch with lots of leaves and no fruit. And it was essential that the vine and the branch, they worked together for the most growth. So John's image of Jesus as the vine and the church as the branches represents something different than any other in the New Testament. Typically, Jesus is pictured as the church's cornerstone or builder or founder. Typically, Jesus is pictured in that way. But Jesus here is depicted as a vine, life-giving, an animating presence in the Christian community today that is very much alive and well in our midst, which means that Jesus is playing a much more intimate role in the daily goings-on of our individual lives and our life together as a congregation. So the word that John uses over and over and over again shows that Jesus is continually present with us in this word, which is abide. <clears throat> so those who abide in Jesus the vine are nourished in a relationship of trust, of knowledge, oneness characteristic of the relationship of God and Jesus. So the image of the church as the branches describes that all believers being rooted together in the vine are intertwined with one another. Bound to Jesus the vine and to one another, believers are pruned. They're empowered to grow in faith and to bear much fruit. The fruit that John speaks of, essentially, is love. So a modern reference to that power of love is dear old Peter Harry. The series opens with the revelation that when Harry was an infant, his parents were murdered by the evil, dark Lord Voldemort. Harry was spared when his mother, whose name was Lily, and of course, Lily is the flower of the resurrection, threw herself in front of her child, arms wide open, sacrificing her life to save Harry, Jesus' life. And from that day on, Harry bears this lightning rod scar on his forehead. He's marked like water in baptism. Not only reminding him of that day, but also bearing his mother's legacy in his heart. And throughout the series, Harry 
here in the sanctuary. I would lead them around and I would point out the Bible and I would show them the hymnal. <clears throat> we would look up at the big cross and the communion table. We would look at the baptismal font and the stained glass window. And no doubt they would suggest things like the most important thing in the chancel is their bench buddy, Sandy. Because <laughs> she provides all the music. You can't have worship without music. And hopefully they wouldn't point out the offering plates. After a while, I'd give them the answer. Boys and girls, the most important thing in the whole church, according to Jesus and the Bible, and even Harry Potter, is love. My scripture passage to teach them, 1 Corinthians 13, a letter from Paul to the church with this all-important chapter on love. Faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. So, yep, God takes love pretty darn seriously. Jesus tells us that the greatest commandment is to love God, our neighbors, and ourselves. So could the church survive without hymnals and stainless windows and a communion table and a font? It may not seem like church if we didn't have them, but the truth is, we can do without all of them. But the one thing we cannot do without is love, because we wouldn't last long without it. Because Jesus' love for us, well, he's the one person that can nourish us in the midst of our life's journey. He's the only one who can lead us out of the darkness and illumine us with his path to follow him. He's our shepherd. He gathers us into this beloved flock we call RGBC, where we're known. We're here at the church we belong, where you're prayed for, where you're loved, where you celebrate your best days and your hardest days. And Jesus leads us to pastors of abundant life that he calls us that when we love and serve others, he will fill us up, providing happiness and meaning to our daily lives. And abiding in his love, loving and caring for one another, this is the way that this congregation thrives, blossoms, bears fruit, not only in the house, but out into the, of the community, the city of Bologna, all over the world. Love is a choice, and it's our choices that defines us, says Baltimore. Sometimes we are tempted to choose what's best for us instead of choosing love. In Harry's world, he and the other wizards are constantly tempted to use their own powers to benefit themselves. Some do, as a matter of fact, and when they do, they end up putting the entire community in danger, not too far-fetched from what happens in the real world that we live in today. We can choose to give in to cultural temptations climb over others to move up the social ladder to look out for number one. One of the more interesting magical objects in the early part of Harry Potter's career at his school at Hogwarts is the mirror of Ursaid, which is the mirror that we have here today, the one you saw in the movie. So young wizard, he happens upon this mirror one day and he goes to it and when he looks inside of it, who he has missed so deeply since the time he lost them when they died. And Harry begins to look in that mirror, and he goes back to it, and he sees other people, even though he's alone in that room. And he soon realizes 
of his parents, and he feels this deep mixture of joy beside his face, and then sadness, his own hand on his shoulder, but he can barely take his eyes off that mirror. But he's forced to when he's caught being out and about after hours, because this is actually his second time to the mirror. He brought his friend Ron the first time and they went to visit. And when Ron steps up and he looks in the mirror, he sees himself wearing this gorgeous badge, head boy at Hogwarts. The opposite which Ron secretly desires to ascend one day. He also sees himself holding the Quidditch Cup, the trophy that goes to the winning team of the school's favorite sport. And the boys are curious about this mirror, mesmerized by it, what it means. They cannot stay away from it. Harry is obsessed. So on the third night, interesting day, Harry returns alone and hears the voice from behind. The fifth we saw is Professor Dumbledore, who warns Harry about the mirror of Ursaid, telling him that the power is that of desire, spelled backwards. So if you literally spell desire backwards, that's the name of the mirror. And when people look into the mirror, he says, they see the deepest unfulfilled desires of their hearts. And Harry's desire is to know his family and Ron is for fame and achievement. And completely happy person, says Dumbledore, would look into the mirror and see himself as he is. The mirror is dangerous, continues the headmaster, because people have wasted away staring at it, wondering whether their desires were really possible. So when Harry asks his mentor what he sees when he looks in the mirror, Dumbledore's reply is telling. To Harry's response, the old wizard replies that he sees himself, which takes us back to the love good quote. You know, my first thought upon seeing that clip was back at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 13. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we shall see face to face. It is so very easy to get caught up in the pursuit of the desires of our hearts, looking everywhere else for security or adoration or achievement, satisfaction, and especially love. And ultimately those, these are not found in a mirror or in magic formulas, not in achievements or popularity or anywhere else. Love is the potion that vanquishes all selfish desire. In the end, it's love that enables us to see ourselves as we truly are when we look in the mirror, to see us as God sees us, beloved children, brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the power of his love, the love we need and will have access to all the days of our life. Jesus says to you this morning, as God has loved me, so I love you. Abide in my love. I have spoken these things to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So here's what I believe. I believe wholeheartedly from the top of my head to the tips of my toes that your presence, you, your presence in RGBC 
represents a branch on our tree that will soon be 94 years old. I believe that Jesus is the vine that connects us together. Life flowing, fluid, always moving. I believe that you personally abiding in him, me personally abiding in him, accepting his love and sharing that love with others is the secret to us being a happy person whatever the circumstance that faces us, whatever is happening in your life right now. And I believe that abiding in Jesus is the secret to RGPC being a healthy, vibrant congregation because Jesus desires that all of us as individuals and as a church family be firmly rooted in the soil of his love that we become the branch that bears lush fruit. That we grow in love and care and faith and hope because with him we can be strong. So true, love isn't something we hold on for ourselves, but something we are to give away freely, even extravagantly to others. And the Bible speaks of the word love that goes way beyond a feeling called agape love. Love is an act of the will, a choice, a commitment without condition. That is the greatest of all possible virtues, all the culmination of all the others. Faith, hope, courage, ethics, truth, friendship, justice, all have their foundation in the sacrificial, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. So the bottom line is this. What really matters in life is not what we've been able to accomplish with our giftedness, but how we love. The love Jesus has for us and the love we have for others never ends. That's the question for each and every one of us today. How are we loving ourselves, one another? Whether you're looking to fight evil and injustice, have a career, raise a family, be a friend, says Morris. Love is the deepest force for change. When embraced fully, it shapes everything, all we're able to do. And it's so important that you and I never take love for granted, that we don't forget that the author of the love in our lives is Jesus. And it's Jesus who has given us this love. And love demands a great deal of attention. Love needs to be cherished and nurtured, tended, growing in a good, healthy environment. And true, we may not be able to fly on broomsticks or engage evil with 